Today's passage is from Philippians 2, 3 to 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. On. All right. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome uh, to Lord's Love Church, uh, to this community. Uh, it is a joy and delight, and obviously it's a beautiful day to be coming here together and to uh, worship God together. Uh, it's a bit hot. Uh, I think it's going to get hotter today, so uh, hopefully you guys, uh, you know, remember to hydrate and stuff and keep yourself fresh. Uh, but nonetheless, it's great to be here together. Uh, for those of you who are new with us today, my name is Howard, and I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor here in this uh, church, in this community. Um, and just want to say welcome. Whether this is your first or second time, we are glad that you are uh, here joining us. And today, it is my joy uh, to be sharing God's Word with you. And as you know, uh, we are doing a one-off because it's a special day. It's Mother's Day. So I just want to quickly give a shout-out to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. I just want to say thank you for all that you do, um, you know, for your love, your care, and your sacrifice. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed, especially, you know, from just from childbirth to, like, sleepless nights, you know. And for some of you, you have to work uh, to pro provide for your family as well as some of you guys may have left uh, your country uh, to come to Canada so that your kids can have better uh, education and work opportunities. Um, and so uh, it doesn't go unnoticed, uh, we think of you. And as well, I just want to also take today's as Mother's Day as a time to also um, to recognize those who struggle with infertility and as well who have experienced miscarriage, that our hearts are with you today um, and that, uh, yeah, that we're thinking about you. Um, and for, you know, I, I can only imagine the pain, so I really hope and pray that uh, today uh, that you will still be able to enjoy, um, you know, God's love and uh, joy and peace uh, in your life. And so when I was asked uh, to preach on Mother's Day, I thought about this passage. I was actually conflicted between Revelations to continue the series or not, but thought that it would be appropriate to take a one-off um, because it is a special day. And I chose this passage because of three reasons. One is when I think about mothers, I thought about sacrifice, and so I thought about Jesus, you know, like, and this passage, as, you know, I picked this one because this is a really hard one uh, to live out, and it really can fix me even today, and I, and every time I read this, I still feel so short, um, and, and the third, when I thought about uh, love and sacrifice, um, 
I really think that to love someone well requires tremendous sacrifice. If you think about it, to love someone well requires sacrifice. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I thought about Jesus, and I thought about all you mothers out there who have given up your time uh, and, your, and to show your sacrificial love. Uh, but before I dive into the passage today, I, I just want to pray and lift this time up uh, to God. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you so much that we get to gather here and to worship you as a church together, God. And thank you for your love, God, for your, your grace and your sacrifice. We thank you for your salvation and that we have this relationship with you, God. And that we, at this moment right here, that we get to hear your word. So Jesus, we, we invite your Holy Spirit to be here right now. That your Holy Spirit will open up our hearts for us to hear receive it. And may your word and your truth transform our lives, transform the way that we live. And may we be changed to live in the way of Jesus. Today's passage is going to be hard to do and to accept. But we pray, Father, that you will soften our hearts and to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh. Oh. All right. Doug is right. I can never go wrong with a mic. So this morning, uh, if I can work this properly, I haven't done this in a while. So this, question, this morning, I want to ask you guys a question. What is the opposite of love? All right. So what word comes to your mind? So for those who, of you who like to play with vocabulary, uh, you might think that the antonym of a good is bad, right? Um, loud is quiet. A mother is father. Uh, you get where I'm going uh, with. So what is the antonym of love? You might think it's hate, right? Anyone thought when you first think, okay, hate. Um, but I would like to argue that the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is actually selfishness. You see, if I don't love someone or love someone well, it doesn't mean I hate them. It just means that I think about my own interests and my needs more above others. So love and humility must work together in order for all forms of relationships to grow and to flourish. So the main factors that cause issues, whether it's an argument or mistreatment, is because of selfishness and pride. So we as human beings are sinful and prideful, which causes us to think of our own ways and needs. And, and that's just the way that we act because of our sinful nature. It's our natural instincts. And so for the believers in Philippi, they were actually in a culture that was driven by pride, power, and violence. And so Paul was instructing them on how to love properly so that they can be united as one in the midst of the oppositions. So because of what Jesus, has, Jesus who Jesus is and what he has done for us on that cross, his love and his humility, we as Christians are also called to imitate and follow his example as well. So today's big idea is this, that love requires humility, that love is impossible without humility, and we can only grow in humility when we are rooted in Christ. It has to come from Christ, because apart from Christ, our deeds, our good deeds and love are only driven by self-effort. It could be, it could work, you could still be good without Christ, but it's only temporary. So therefore, 
the way we live our lives and demonstrate agape love must be centered on the life of Jesus. And so before we actually get into it, I just want to give a quick context about Philippi. So Philippi is located in Macedonia, uh, governed by uh, the Roman Empire. So Philippi was a Roman colony, completed with Roman magistrates, Roman police, and Roman law. And so because of the Roman Emperor, the place was built on pride, power, and violence. And Paul at this time, as you know, along with Silas, wrote this letter when they were in prison. Um, you know, scholars out there are still in debate which prison it was. They haven't been able to identify, but that doesn't matter. He's in prison. Uh, he wrote this. Um, but there were many different oppositions in Philippi in that time. There were three groups of people that actually hindered the gospel message, whether by opposing it directly or tampering with its contents or just failing to apply it within the church. So one group was actually uh, within Rome in itself, and apparently these group of people were within the Christian community, and they uh, thought Paul and saw themselves as competition with him in preaching the gospel. And so they ended up preaching the gospel for selfish gains. They wanted uh, better influence and following. But obviously with Paul being wise and kind, his mentality was this, and it says in Philippines that as long as they did not distort the message of the gospel and of Christ, then that's okay. It doesn't matter. Even if they preach with selfish ambition or, or, or selfish motive, it doesn't matter. As long as the gospel of Jesus does not change, then, then I'm fine with that. And so the third group that really caused issues was within also Philippi, uh, Philippines themselves. So two women apparently were arguing a lot, uh, appeared to be at each other's throats a lot. And so this is so this is one of the reasons why Paul in this passage in chapter 2 wrote about love, about what it means to actually love properly in the way of Jesus. And so this, in the content of uh, Philippines' epistle, this letter is described as a friendship letter and is from an experienced friend like Paul who often offer uh, counsel and guidance. So the Philippines' emphasis on mutual affection, sharing, equality, long to be the other person's presence. And this is why Paul writes in the letter, partnership in the gospel. So here you kind of have like a bit of a background. So now let's go to the first point, which is this, that true love is when we put others before ourselves. That love, love must be other-focused and not self-focused. Here, what Paul instructs the believers in Philippi to do is that in all that they do, they must consider other people's interests above themselves. Right, but before we, you know, I just want to give a quick context into right here as well before we dive into verse 3, because it says in verse 1, right, he's trying to get the urge them to be united. So he's saying, if any of you, therefore, uh, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then in verse 2 he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. How? having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So to have the same love, they must be one in spirit and one in mind, the togetherness, especially when they were facing different opposition, which include pride, power, and violence. And so the church actually all the more must maintain unity through, uh, in, uh, through love in order to flourish as a community. So first three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to the interests of others, uh, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So verse 3 right here, it says the first thing that Paul writes after he urges people 
for unity is this: that do nothing out of selfish ambition. So the the uh, or vain conceit. The word vain conceit in Greek. It, I hope I'm not butchering this. Kenodosia means empty glory. So it's that only that only the self-blessed can bestow on themselves. And so this word occurs throughout the Greco-Roman world to describe those who think highly of themselves, not those who appear to have grounds for glory, but those whose glory is altogether baseless. So pretty much people who think they have it together, who are who think that they actually are better than other people, but in fact they are not. So he's saying, all that you do, stop doing. Things with the mindset that you're better than everyone else. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So, to avoid thinking about me and thinking about me, 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 start loving others better by changing your heart and mindset to humility. Then, humility, value and consider other people's need above yourself. And so, what does this look like? What does Paul mean? He goes on to verse four: not looking to your own. Interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Essentially, in all your relationships, right, all your friendships, the dating relationship, marriage, family, coworkers, classmates, etc., etc., whatever, whatever relationships that you are part of and groups that you're part of, ask yourself: What does the other person need or want? What's the other person's interest that I can think of first before my own? This is the way of Jesus and the way of Christian life—a behavior that does not seek their own good but that of others. And I also want to share this passage that you know that changed my life, uh, helped me to see humility in a different way. And you guys might already know this too and have seen this before, but I'm going to repeat it. It's by C.S. Lewis, and he says that his definition of humility is this: that humility is not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. So in other words, humility is not thinking less of yourself by like putting yourself down, like kind of like the Asian way. It's like, oh no 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 no, I suck, I suck, I suck. Don't don't mention me, you know. Not the Asian way or, or putting yourself down, but it's the act of pouring, uh, putting others' need before yourself. So that is what Paul is trying to say. This is the way of love. This is the way of Jesus. Is to think of others, to put others before yourself. So after Paul. Instructs them on how to love practically. He directs their attention to Jesus, who is the primary example that all believers must follow. He didn't make it up. He learned it from the, through the life of Jesus, and this is why we must be grounded in Jesus and the truth. We always need to be grounded with the Word and connect with Jesus, because my second point is this: to love like Jesus, we must learn from Jesus. It's a really simple statement. Nothing fancy. No fancy statements. It's just discipleship 101. To love like Jesus, we must learn from Jesus. So he goes on to first.、Um, so first five, he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think and act like Him. Verse six. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And in verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So, verse six. Have this first five to six have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality 
with God, something to be used. So Jesus, who being in the very nature, in the very form, God, did not consider his divine status something to be used. In other words, for use is exploited to his own advantage for his own personal use. So the word exploit, again, I don't want to butcher it, hapamas means to cease. And there are two different ways of using this word. The first word is a negative way, to cease as in like robbery cease, but obviously it's not in this one, not in this passage. Number two is read pass- passively, referring to something seized, claimed, or grasped. So in other words, Jesus did not consider his divine status, his equality with God, something to be seized, like this is mine, like yeah, it's it's me, it's my power to do whatever he wishes, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness. So Jesus made himself nothing. Another word or phrase is he emptied himself. So he didn't just give up his divine, he didn't, but when he, when, I also want to clarify, when it says that he emptied himself, he didn't give up his divine status or essence. He is still God, but he poured himself out in a way, meaning that he uh, take, took on the form of a servant. And in human likeness, I just want to clarify, the word likeness means that Jesus is similar to our humanity in some respects and dissimilar in others. So similar it means that in his incarnation, he was like in a sense like he was the same as us in the flesh. The similarity is in reference of Romans chapter 8, verse 3, which had to do with him being sinless, meaning perfect, while in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he is perfect and he is sinless with no fault. And in verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So Jesus appeared in a way that was clearly recognizable as human. And two things about Jesus' in humility is this. The first one is that he demonstrated humility through the incarnation, him coming to earth as a human being, being born as a human being. And second, that Jesus being obedient to death, that that in itself is humility, that he is God, and by nature, he is equal with God. But yet he chose to be a servant, to come down to earth, not with pride and dominance, but to serve you and to serve me through dying on the cross. So I don't know about you, but when someone blames me for something I didn't do, I feel indignant. We usually react negatively in this way because we know we didn't do anything wrong, right? Likewise, Jesus was blamed and accused of something he didn't do, but despite all, he humbled himself and still demonstrated the sacrificial love and fulfilled the scripture by coming to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And this is where Paul finishes off this session right here. Therefore, as a result, God God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So after all this of what Jesus has done, how he has showed his humility, God exalted him, and that in the name of Jesus there's power in his name, that his name is above all names. And that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so heaven means the heavenly beings, the angels. Earth is meaning the people who live on earth 
at the time when Jesus comes back again, and under the earth means the dead. Um, and, and so all this is to say is that one day people will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, that people will come to worship God. And it's such a beautiful thing. So again, I want to reiterate this. Jesus, being God, came down that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Even though we were his enemies, even though people accused him, even though his disciples abandoned him, even one of them betrayed him, even one of them said, hey, I'm going I'm to follow you, even in persecution, ran away and denied him three times. He still died for all of them. And even Paul, who wrote this letter, who persecuted Christians, he died for him. So Jesus' appearance on earth and his victory over sin and death changes everything. His victory actually gives us hope that in the midst of chaos, we can still find life because of his love and salvation. And so if you think about it, Jesus came and turned the world upside down in the way that he loves, cares, and treats people, right? Think about it. Instead of pride and dominance, he came in humility. Instead of violence and revenge, he teaches his disciples to love and pray for their enemies. And in his purpose and his mission were to fight against sin. He came to die on that cross, a criminal type of death, even though he is sinless and perfect. So I want to ask you guys a few questions for reflection. So think about your own life and your journey and your life. In your life and faith, who are you learning from to help you grow and mature? Is Jesus the main person you continue to seek for wisdom when you feel stuck and you don't know what you're doing? Or are you trying to solve issues on your own? Because definitely I have. I have. What about towards others? Is there someone you've been having disagreements and conflicts with? And how can you show love to this person? Or better yet, how can you show love with humility despite the situation. You see, this is why love requires humility. We can only be more Christ-like in the way that we love and treat others when we are rooted in Christ and learning from him. And Jesus is the one who gives us the courage and strength to love and care for those who are considered our enemies, as well as those we are in relational conflict with. And I have to confess that being humble is difficult, I really struggle with it. Um, and it takes time to grow and change in this way, but it's not impossible. But I believe this, that Jesus changes us in many different ways. And I believe that one of it happens in small ways. And I just want to clarify this, that a lot of times I think we have a hard time seeing God at work because we're always thinking about the big stuff, the big change. Like when someone you know, has cancer, God heals it. Then we're like, okay, God is good. But then we neglect the small areas in our lives. Right, that I believe, strongly believe that God works in the little places in our lives as well, little areas in our lives as well. And I think it is important for us to be attentive to the Spirit's work, to be aware of our surroundings, of our life, our spiritual work, uh, walk, because God also works in little ways as well. And when we start to pay attention to the little things in our lives, to 
and notice that God has changed in these little ways, we will then begin to appreciate the bigger stuff as well when we start to appreciate the little things. So, sharing a story in a small way. So before Lavelle and I dated, I used to drive fast, but safe, safe, okay, hey. I enjoy doing that, okay? Especially when, back then when I had my manual car. I love that thing. It feels like I'm flying, but really I'm not. <laughs> but, when we start, but, no, but when we start dating, I had to change the way that I drive because she didn't feel safe in the passenger seat. So eventually, I started driving slower at the correct speed limit. That's probably why I save money from getting fines, right? And had to keep my cool, right? I had to drive slow, change, and then also keep my cool when someone tailgates me. <laughs> um, so this is a very small example maybe to some of you, but some of you men out there, you know what I'm talking about, that this is a huge change, all right? If you're like me and you enjoy driving and you enjoy driving fast, you know that this is a huge change if you have to drive slower and much safer, all right? Um, but for me, it took time, but... But this is also something serious, right? Because if she doesn't feel safe, I can't make her feel safe, right? But, I, but in, because we're in a relationship, I have to actually think about her, her safety and her protection. So in a way, I, I had to give that up, to drive fast, give up driving fast, and drive slower and safer, much safer. Um, so why am I sharing this? And by the way, it just took me a while to change the habit. It's not easy. Uh, but this is... This story is a small example, but the reason why I share this is this, that I believe growing in the area of humility actually takes time. And, and it takes time because we need time to work on it to grow stronger, to be more like Jesus. As a result, we need to take one step, small step at a time as we're following Jesus, and each step that we take, God helps us grow in that area. And if you struggle with humility, Jesus is right there to help you. So I'm going to give you guys the truth is that we will fall from time to time as we continue to try to grow and work with humility. But that's when we also live under God's grace and experience his love. So again, think about the people in your life, right? The people that you are in conflict with. And if you struggle with humility, I just want to say that it is not impossible. It is possible that we can't be changed. But start thinking and reflecting in the different areas of your life, from small to big, that God is constantly at work in our lives, that when we think it's impossible, it is actually possible when God gives us the strength. I want to end off with this because I think this is really fitting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And you guys probably have heard this verse before, and this is a famous verse, and sometimes, oftentimes, we as Christians misuse it for our own personal benefits. But I want to share this with you. Paul writes in all this that in all his troubles and his oppositions, he learned the secret of being content in all his circumstances, that he found joy in Christ. And he says in chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Or in the ESV version, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So when, living, when loving people through humility is tough, 
when loving your enemies is tough, when you're in relational conflict with other people is tough, and you find it hard in general to be humble in your life, it's not impossible that you can change. Because when your faith and your life is being tested, and you find it hard to follow Jesus, he right there, right here, Jesus gives you that strength to, to push forward and to grow in the area in humility. And ultimately, that you will be able to put others before yourself. So may you continue to be rooted in Christ so that you can grow and mature in your life. And by your words and actions, may others know God because of the way that you carry yourself. And so may your love towards others be fueled by the humility you learn from Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that you sent Jesus here on earth to die for us. That be, even though Jesus is God, that he humbled himself and, and became obedient, even death on the cross. And because of this, God, we, we get to have this relationship with you that we get to talk to anytime and anywhere that in the midst of chaos and troubles in our life that we are not alone because you are there. And in areas in our lives that we struggle with, to become more like you, that you are also there to help us with our troubles, to help us grow. So I pray for each one of us who struggle with humility, that God, that you continue working in our hearts and in our faith, in our journey, that when we, as we continue to stay rooted in you, to seek after you, that we will grow to become more Christ-like in the way that we love and treat others. And that through our actions, that people will see who you are, Jesus. So thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.